0: You're listening to the Plain Talking UK podcast, a UK-based podcast written by a passenger to anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbing and Matt Smith. Well, hello there and welcome to episode number 80. 80, I can't believe we're at 80 already. It's uh, really quite a strange show, it has to be said, because uh, if you're watching on YouTube, it's a Thursday night. Uh, it is the 1st of October, 2015. And uh, as you can probably see, everything's slightly different here in the Conservatory Studio, and there's one very good reason for that, and that's because I'm here on my own. Somebody decided to go on their annual holiday to what he likes to refer to as home, so it gives me great pleasure, by the magic of Skype, to welcome the legend that is Mr. Carlos Stebbings. Hello, Carl. Hello,
1: everyone. (laughs) Hello,
2: listeners. This yes. is strange. I don't Greetings like introducing the show. I'm
0: sorry, that's not happening again. <laughs> it doesn't feel right at all. But, uh, yeah. So how is it? How is it? How is it there in sunny Malta? Uh, well, it's been a bit rainy today. What? It's not been not been the best of days today. We've
1: had a had a touch of rain. We had a bit of thunder. Right. Um, but uh, we have had good weather up until now. So. Right. Okay. So it is. Good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. I'll, I'll forgive the um, the uh,
0: weather. To be, fair, today. It, to, to be fair, you're in Malta. You'll forgive virtually anything, let's be honest. <laughs> and, and Let's be honest, Matt.
1: I've had the best um, couple of um, few days yes, through, yes. Why don't with you t- Sunday <laughs> and today.
0: Why don't you tell the lovely, very patient listeners what on earth you have been up to this last couple of days?
1: So, Sunday, I went to the Malta International Air Show <laughs> at uh, Luca Airport here and spent... The hours of ten in the morning till six in the evening, um, interviewing very, uh, very, well, very many pilots mm-hmm. and going on board lots of lovely aircraft. Wow! And uh, was looked after by the uh, team there, and had a lovely little uh, media pass. Which um, those of you who looked on Facebook would have seen the little badge that I had and stuff. And uh, no, I had a really good day. The weather was very hot, and uh, it was it was. It was brilliant. It was a brilliant, fantastic day. Tons of aircraft, loads of stuff to see, and uh, to be honest, Matt, it was on a par with um, any of the big air shows we have here in the UK.
0: Really, really. So, so mm. just just from a from from a, what was the highlight really, as, as far as you were concerned? What was, what was the big um, you know the big winner, if you like? Um, display
1: aircraft wise, it had to be the Swiss display team. Mm. Um, they were they were. Precision, perfect, right? Like like a Swiss like a Swiss watch. Um, <laughs> um, they were they were fantastic. Um, static display aircraft. Uh, obviously, the um, NATO had their AWACS there, the right. Boeing seven hundred and seven AWACS, one with the big radar dome yep. on top, yeah, yep. which you've seen before. Yeah, yeah we and saw that had, React, didn't we or something. Yeah, similar, we did. Like, yeah, yeah the, the NATO had their one there, yeah. and um, I got to interview the flight commander and mm-hmm.
0: captain of uh, of that aircraft okay so we've got lots of fabulous uh, interviews then to put out in the coming weeks um so you, you plenty of homework for me then by the sound of it oh yeah yeah and a special homework for you today oh, we i right. went to
1: the uh malta aviation museum today yeah. which is at uh Tukali in or just the sort of middle of the island kind mm-hmm. of thing uh, they've got a huge aviation museum there. Loads of static aircraft on display, um, including a couple of commercial um, aircraft uh, nose sections on display. And I have, I've got a lovely little two-hour-long interview for you to edit.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, thanks very much for that. Yes. Mm. So, so who was it you were interviewing at uh, at the uh, museum then?
1: Uh, Ray Polidano, right. who is, okay. uh, he's, like, he's like the chairman of the, um, the, he- the Heritage Society that um, run the uh, museum.
0: Okay. okay, fantastic.
1: Lovely chap. And he got, like I said, he gave me two hours of his time this morning uh, yeah. for, for a walk around the entire uh,
0: museum. He probably couldn't believe his luck that there was somebody there that was actually nearly as mad about aeroplanes as he is. I should imagine. No, no, no.
1: He, he was he was brilliant, and and to, to be you know bearing mind Malta for those of you who were uh, in the chat room or on listening to the show, Malta is a very small island mm. in the Mediterranean, and for such a small island, the the museum is is huge. Um, with, with a lot of aircraft, including in one of the hangars, they've got a uh, uh, DC-3 Dakota, the tail dragger wow. um, on display, which is, um, which is not painted. It's all in
0: lovely brushed aluminium. Wow. So no paint. It's very nice. So um, so if you're in Malta, then def- definitely a recommended vi- visit. Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. Cool.
1: That is one to uh, visit. And it's, uh, it's so cheap. And I'll tell you another thing as well, Matt, that, um, that shocked me here. For those of you in the chat room listening live, you'll be able to um, comment on this, but at the air show, at the Malta air show, they produced um, a programme, very much like the ones you see at Riyadh and Farnborough, mm. and yeah. their their programme um, cost me €3. Euros, oh, my goodness me. What's that, about one, 190, uh, like that? Two, uh, £2, one ninety something
0: like that? £1.90, £2. Wow, <laughs> that, is so, that is so ridiculously
1: cheap. <laughs> and and the drink and the food on site at the air shows, at yeah. uh, the air show was um, the same price as it is in the
0: sh- in the shops. Really? Well, yeah. that that is no that mark-ups. is that is that is incredibly refreshing to do. So be, before we uh, launch into the show properly, then uh, you're in charge of the chat room there in Malta. So uh, who have we got uh, joining us this week? What's what, what's that? How, hold that up again. Sorry, we were looking at the oh, other camera. Sorry. What was that? What's that? Blue the, label. This,
1: this... This episode of uh, Plain Talking UK is sponsored by Blue Label. Splendid. Lovely. Ale
0: from Malta. <laughs> You're hoping for a load of freebies now when you get home, aren't you? <laughs> um, yeah, so who have we got in the chat room, Carl? So who have we got in the chat room? We've got this week uh, Philip Davis
1: has joined us, mm. and uh, Masha is in there as well. Uh, and we've got Matty Fab.
0: The legend that is.
1: And the legend that is. Jennifer Parkinson's joined us from Rome, mm. where it's raining, apparently. Oh, uh, no. Rob
0: rusted. Now you were saying Rob that's not rusted very far it. away from you, didn't you? You were saying that weren't very far away? Yeah, it's not very
1: far away from us, which is which is worrying. Uh, Rain on the way. Then means it's on its way here. <laughs> Did you say Rob was in the chat room as well? Yeah, Rob's in the chat room as well. Uh, uh, Matty Fabs just actually said Matty Fabs just said that the uh, wasn't the REAT, um um, brochure ten pounds. I think it was actually twelve. Really much more. It was twelve pounds. Wow. Yeah, twelve. Yeah, it was. It was more. It was than more than tenner, I think, for the program. I must
0: admit we were a bit sport because obviously having media passes, we actually got one for free, didn't we? So it was. We did. It's yeah. difficult to say, but uh, actually, I must just say while uh, while we're to, while Rob is, uh there, a huge thanks needs to go to him and his very patient wife because while you've been away sunning themselves, he's been helping. Don't give me that look. It's all right. They can't see that picture, so you can do what you like at the moment um, but he's had to work really really hard to help me get this this live link up between here and Malta up and running really really smoothly so he's been very patient with me multiple Skype chats to test to make sure everything's been working because thanks to your laptop that you left me that horrible thing I've had an absolute nightmare trying laptop. to get it it's not a good laptop It's uh, <laughs> if I had my way it would now be a new feature of the summer house which is the other end of the garden but uh, there we are so yes a special thanks to Rob Rusted and his very patient family who've been allowing us yes, to thank borrow you, uh, to, to get this working, so uh, I think uh, uh, enough of the uh, chit chat. Do you reckon we? All yes, get we that should in move business? on. Yes, we should move right. on. With uh, well, the news. I'll, I'll, I'll let you uh, lead the chair on this then, okay. as we as we get ready to go, to go into the news.
1: So we're going to start this week's show then, as we do with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. Okay. So if you're
0: ready over there in the UK, Matt. Yes, pretty much ready as I'll ever be. Let's go.
1: So kicking off this week's first news story then on the Travel Weekly site and Southend Airport tops Witch Park for third year running. So London Southend Airport has been named the best in Britain by a Witch Passenger Survey. The airport topped the poll for a third year running with a customer score of 86%, a 1% increase on the score it achieved last year. The airport also achieved a five-star rating in four of the seven categories assessed, queues at bag drop, queues at security, passport control and baggage reclaim. Stansted and Luton tied at the bottom of the list with a 40% customer score. The results were compiled following a survey completed by 11,266 members of which uh, which, uh, was done in the summer of this year. These polled were asked uh, about their experiences of flying from a airport in the UK in the past year and were quizzed on the queues at check-in and bag drop and airport security and also the queues at baggage reclaim and also on seating, food outlets and passport control. Glyn Jones, chief executive of Stoba Aviation, who owns uh, London South End, uh, said to be named the best airport in Britain for the third year running is wonderful news and, once again, a testament to all the hard work that the team here at London South End has put in. So that's interesting, Matt, because obviously South End is not the biggest airport in the no, UK. No, far from it. Um, but uh, obviously, it's come out well. Top of the uh, top of the league here for um, for the uh, customer customer service.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it, it, again, it's it's one I've yet to actually experience. I've not actually been mm. to, uh, to to to. Um, I nearly said Malta, then I don't mean Malta. Uh, <laughs> it's not actually one I've been been to yet to uh, to see what it's like.
1: But because uh... obviously for those of you in, you know those of you who um, don't know, Southend Airport's owned and operated by a haulage operator, mm. Eddie Stobart yeah. here in the UK
0: yeah absolutely it, it's it's uh it's a different one to 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 really comment on as i say i mean it's but they're obviously getting something right i mean eddie stobart themselves are, are quite famous for um uh you know their customer service when it comes to sort of transport and lorries and stuff and i guess they're applying those same rules to uh to 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 the aviation i, w- I, wonder,
1: I, where, I wonder where norwich came
0: <laughs> 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 i daren't look a daring look. Is it even on the list? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh dear. Anyway, moving on to the next story. Uh, whilst the line is still uh, working, I'm sort of keen to sort of whiz through this while we've still got Malta at the other end. Uh, the next story is on the Huffington Post. Uh, this is the UK edition. And uh, it's sort of leading on from a story that we covered uh, last week. And uh, Ryanair is not violating an EU directive to help asylum seekers. Um, it's... Um, So really, this has slipped under the radar a bit as far as I'm concerned. But uh, claims that budget airline Ryanair will launch a campaign to help asylum seekers reach their destination country have been debunked as an online hoax. Ryanair would reportedly see the carrier risk a €3,000 fine for each person carried with a a willful uh, (laughs) contravention of the EU Council Directive uh, introduced in 2001 to combat illegal immigration. In a press release, ryanfair.org, uh, Chief Marketing Officer Kenny Jacobs was quoted as saying we are facing the biggest humanitarian emergency of our era confirming our mission make made air travel accessible to the masses we've decided to open, the refu- open to refugees um, our routes from Greece and East Europe violating a rule that simply dumps government responsibilities on the carriers we will proudly cover all the costs of this violation we want to give our small contribution to healing the suffering for thousands of refugees who were forced to abandon their homes and flee their lives. We are confident that other carriers will join us um in this campaign and forced the EU to come together and agree to a plan to tackle the refugee crisis. The news was greeted with positivity on Twitter and indeed it would be a noble and expensive move by the airline uh, if any of it were true. Ryanair has denied it will be operating Ryan Fair desks from the 12th of October. What's more, a spokesman tells the Huffington Post UK the comments attributed to kenny jacobs are entirely fictitious and there is no truth in these claims whatsoever uh, now the only reason i've covered this story actually is because it's been doing a massive it's been doing the rounds if you like on youtube and social media in general uh, and it's uh, it's one of those uh, sort of the, the, it's just it's, it's a bizarre story um and uh the the thing is and this this is half of it is it it's so convincing because they're using the right names they've got the right images uh it the the logo and everything was i mean somebody whoever built this uh particular hoax had spent so much time in actually getting it um to look genuine i mean it's a it's a, it's a major it's a major thing and, and one of the the uh The um, Twitter people underneath here has actually said uh, that uh, Ryanair are no strangers to PR stunts, but this is pretty big. So uh, uh, one can't help but feel maybe they're trying to um, uh, sort of take the shine off this this CAA investigation in them with regard to their uh, not uh, adhering to the the rules when it comes to... um, uh, what was it, it's the directive to do with um, fares, isn't it, Where um, yeah, yeah. Or, or claim backs if your flight is delayed. Claims, yeah, yeah, flight claims for delays and yeah. stuff. So it's a bizarre story, more of a fun story, I think, rather than anything else, but it was, uh, you know, we can't always be horrible to Ryanair. <laughs> uh, in the chat
1: room, Matty Fabs has come up, he said that uh, it must be easier for quieter airports to win here awards as the customer service staff to customer ratio will be much greater than Manchester or Heathrow etc which is very true
0: that is a very very good point I hadn't thought of it like that yeah yeah, in which case it really ought to suggest that Norwich is doing incredibly well, but uh, I fear that may not be the case.
1: <laughs> Actually, we should ask really. I mean, what um, Jenny? Uh, Jenny Parkinson's in here. She's uh, mm. obviously in Rome. Yes. Wonder what the wonder what the customer service is like at, um, at Camp- Campino Airport in Rome. Mm. She obviously flies in there.
0: Splendid. Well, we'll, we'll wait for a response from that. Hopefully, yeah. but uh, so anyway, moving so on. on to our next story.
1: Yep. And uh, this one is on the telegraph travel site this one and the headline Arm 99 pound flights to canada the start of a budget transatlantic revolution oh i do hope so <laughs> so as wow air launches 99 pounds transatlantic routes to montreal and toronto its ceo claims the airline is spearheading a revolution in low cost long-haul flights across europe there are some 22 budget airlines almost exclusively operating within the confines of the continent save a handful that fly east towards Asia or south towards Africa. Only two fly west across the Atlantic to America, but this looks set to change as the aviation industry tentatively embarks on a low-cost, long-haul revolution that has seen customers offered flights to US cities for less than £150, which is hundreds of pounds cheaper than one would normally expect to pay for a transatlantic flight. As it stands, a small number of airlines are spearheading the move. Uh, Norwegian, uh, Europe's third largest low-cost carrier, was uh, one of the first two to begin expansion onto the markets across the pond. Last year, introducing routes to New York, Los Angeles and Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Last week, it announced further routes from Cork to Boston and New York next Mm. year. Budget German airline Eurowings will fly to Fort Lauderdale. Another player at the forefront of the uh, transition is Iceland's Wow Air, a budget airline founded in 2011 but already making waves with headline-grabbing £99 fares to Boston and Washington. Wow. Um, Today it announces, uh, or this week it announced uh, tickets on sale uh, from 8 pm at the start of this week to uh, two new transatlantic routes to the Caribbean, uh, or the Canadian, sorry, Canadian cities of Montreal and Toronto. All its transatlantic routes fly via the Icelandic capital of Reykjavik. That'd be quite a nice stopover. Yeah. Uh, The 4 times a week flights will operate from May next year. The conventional wisdom is that the low-cost long-haul doesn't work, says the airline's founder and CEO, School Morganson. But we think it's never been applied properly, and we think the timing is now perfect. Today's traveler in Europe is, uh, or, uh, or in Europe or the. US is very well educated when it comes to the budget model, and it's not surprising to them to see that they are charged for their bag or for their food on board. Mm. Um, and it just says here that they're applying what's been happening for 15 years to the long-haul market. And Morganson founded the airline. Wow. Uh, after seeing the market share that operators such as Ryanair and EasyJet were enjoying uh, and recognising the gap in the market in Iceland. Um, and the story goes on. It was just looking up on here at Wow Air, and yeah. uh, they were founded, as they said, in November 2011. Yeah. Uh, they've got five aircraft in their fleet, wow. um, which are all Airbus, uh, A320s and A321s. Yeah. Um and just looking through some of their des they've got 20 destinations they fly to right and their headquarters are in Reykjavik in
0: Iceland oh cool that's a nice it's, uh well just a really nice just to i mean it's magical if they really are able to get to the situation uh, um you know well i mean 99 quid to go to to canada i mean i've got family in canada i'd give anything to be able to go and see them and i've not done it purely and simply because of the costs involved but i mean i almost don't care if i end up on a on a sort of ryanair type Sort of aircraft that with really cramped seating and stuff, if it means I can fly over there for 99 quid, that's crazy. I know
1: Matty Fabs has said in the chat room actually, if these transatlantic flights were viable, mm. one or more of the big players would have cashed in by now.
0: Yeah, I, I, yeah mm. I guess so. But then I suppose they've only got to do a little bit. I mean. <laughs> You you know full well that that uh, for example Ryanair aren't filling their I mean the route that I use on a regular basis obviously is where we're flying from uh, from Stansted to um, Ireland obviously because that's where Auntie lives um, and if you book it three four months in advance you can get it for like sort of nineteen you know sort of nineteen quid each way or something stupid you can get it really really cheap but you know I doubt we're the only ones uh, i doubt sorry i doubt that, that that everybody who's on that plane is paying that cheap cheap rate i mean a lot of mm. them are paying much much more than that um you know because they need to get over their sort of you know asap so uh, maybe that's what the like the, the likes of wow air and that are perhaps gambling on is the fact that you know they can get some they can get some higher price seats as as time goes on maybe
1: it, i tell you it'll be like awesome to see you yeah. know if 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 something like this this came online and oh, offered yeah. flights that cheap to get to america and and Shit. places like canada and that because yeah. i bet they'd be they'd, they'd fill a plane
0: oh i easily. don't think they'd have any other that's 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 without doubt especially at night i mean the first few flights with without doubt is 99 quid would just be absolutely amazing but uh, yes anyway uh moving on to the next story uh now this is one i think that norwich airport could uh um, really do with learning a lesson from and it's from the bbc news website bbc.co.uk and the headline is newkey airport scraps its five pound development fee which is uh, i think a fabulous headline uh, a controversial airport development fee is set to be scrapped because i think norwich is 10 pounds have I, have I guessed that correctly that is yeah. yeah yeah absolutely so the five pound fee paid by people departing from newkey airport has prompted anger from passengers and airlines uh, adam pate patent paintner from cornwall council which owns and sub- subsidized the airport confirmed the authority was looking to drop the charge Low-cost airline Ryanair previously cited the fee as a reason for pulling its flights out of Newquay. Uh, Mr Painter, a Liberal, De- Liberal Democrat, said that the uh, airport development fee clearly was something that was not wholly popular with a lot of operators and lots of the public. The fee was introduced in October 2006 to raise funds to invest in former mil- to invest in the former military airbase. Uh, council talks regarding the matter have so far been held in private with a decision to be made by the full council on a date yet to be decided. Malcolm Bell, head of Visit Cornwall, said scrapping the disliked fee would be good for tourism. Conservative councillor Fiona Ferguson said that the airport would have to gain additional flights as a result of scrapping the fee to make it worthwhile. A spokesman for Ryanair said that it was always interested in new routes depending on demand, aircraft capacity and uh, a viable airport deal. The airport currently serves around 220,000 passengers a year and receives an annual subsidy from Cornwall Council of around about £2.3 million. Now, I know um, my best friend, uh, myself and Geordie, we used to go to um, Cornwall a lot, uh, especially Newquay, because it was a really nice place to go. Um, and we were actually, last time we went, we were actually looking into flying. And the only reason we didn't is because of uh, it was so expensive, because Ryanair had just... Mm their their route out of there, so they weren't doing it anymore. And um, yeah, it, it's. Uh, as I really think Norwich could learn a few lessons from this. Really, I think that yeah. it would be a much busier airport if they if they did away with this ridiculous ten pound fee. Yeah,
1: which which for the fee you don't. Really get that much choice? No, well, and they don't on. change.
0: It hasn't. I mean, if it, I mean Norwich's one has been in for a good sort of five years at least, hasn't it? Now, I mean, mm. it's been there a long time.
1: We should we should definitely uh try and get someone from Norwich Airport mm. on the on Absolutely. the show. I think yeah. It'd be good.
0: Yeah, we'll look into that as soon as um, as soon as you yeah. come home. I think really, or as soon as I come yeah. home as well, because obviously I'm away. But uh, yeah, I I, 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 think lessons can be learned from that. And uh, watch this space. I really want, I really want Newquay Airport now to absolutely thrive and go nuts as a result of making all, this for
1: decision. For all the surfers. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> well, e- even for, I mean, I, you know, I look ridiculous on a surfboard, but it is a fascinating sport to watch. It really. I mean, Fis, uh, Fis, Fistral Beach is is an amazing place. If you've never been, you have to go. It, it, it's, it is truly quite lovely. Uh, anyway, on to the next story. Oh,
1: just. Uh going back to the one of the stories we had on previously, Jennifer Parkinson's just said that Fiumicino Airport is the big international airport in Rome, and has some problems, uh, or has had some problems this year, mm-hmm. following a fire, but uh, it's all okay, again, and yeah. the customer service there is good.
0: Excellent. Oh, well, that's so good. Thanks for that, Jenny. Yeah, absolutely. This is what I, this is what I love mm-hmm. about a live show. I love it. You get immediate feedback. Feedback. Uh, I know, it's great. Absolutely. So, so th- the next story yep. is on the
1: Telegraph site, and uh, the headline, uh, which is one of the ones I've seen pop up on the social media sites this week, mystery jet's strange flight path leaves Scottish plane spotters baffled. So, plane crisis crossed the skies over, or planes crisscrossed the skies over Scotland for hours on Tuesday uh, without landing. Um, plane spotters in Scotland have been left baffled by the bizarre flight path of a mystery aircraft the Bombardier Global Express jet was tracked flying all over the southern half of Scotland on Tuesday afternoon spending hours crisscrossing the skies without landing according to the Herald the mystery deepened when a spokesman for air traffic control service Nats said the plane was definitely not a commercial aircraft and suggested it was probably a military jet while the Ministry of Defence said it did not belong to the British military The U.S. Air Force, uh, which has uh, servicing and refuelling contracts with Prestwick Airport, also used the uh, Canadian-made planes, but Prestwick Airport said the jet had not been in touch on Tuesday. Commenting on FlightRadar24.com, plane spotters suggested the jet could be a spy plane and noted that the plane's flight path was very strange. Others said that it could have been a jet burning off fuel before it left Scottish airspace at around 6.35pm. Now, I, see, I saw this, um, this um, particular yeah, if, story if, on social media.
0: If they haven't seen it already, I'm just going to pop the map up onto... Um, yeah. You can have a look now. It's not the biggest picture, so I'm sorry about that. But if you look, there's a, there's a sort of red line, essentially, where the, um, the, 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 its route has been, been mapped. And it's a really strange really strange route something isn't right there is it i mean it's sort of going right way the down sort of what sort of well into england and then sort of turning back on itself and, and as i say it's just very strange isn't it very strange flight path
1: because there was a lot of talk on social media sites that this uh probably was a you know a a, a covert military jet doing some sort of what, doing like, something special, special doing something dodgy yes going so, yeah something dodgy but um yeah, we are. perhaps anyone, someone else might know something about that in the chat room. I expect Matty Fab will. He knows. He knows everything <laughs> there is to know about aircraft.
0: <laughs> oh, I should imagine so. I should imagine so. Actually, just going back to the previous story, um, yeah. Lie Rusted because uh, Rob and Lie are watching. As as you know, um, we were talking about the airport fees, and uh, Lye was just saying, "Funny you say that." Uh, my mum was saying that this morning about the ten pound fee. As she's uh, flown to Germany today, she couldn't believe it. As if paying for the ticket wasn't enough it's not exactly it's not exactly like it's cheap to fly from norwich either no. is it i mean you yeah, yeah, yeah. you are making a big financial decision to actually to actually do that but uh, as i say i mean i'd love to fly from norwich but um you know because i guess because of this fee a lot of people don't um, don't do routes out of there but uh, yes anyway slightly off topic i know <laughs> no 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 carry on, carry on. <laughs> okay uh, right on to the next story then and uh, this is on flight global and the headline is air new zealand a320 in close encounter with uav now these stories are are appearing more and more each time. Uh, they're just becoming more and more popular. Like this a New Zealand C- Civil Aviation Authority is investigating a near miss with an Air New Zealand A320 aircraft and an unmanned aerial vehicle. The incident occurred around 17:45 on the 25th of September, as the A320 was climbing out of Christchurch whilst operating a flight to Auckland. The authority said that the aircraft passed through 6,000 feet. Uh, around the uh, Kayle Pole area in controlled airspace, a sizeable, remote, remotely piloted aircraft uh, system passed close to it. Uh, we are very concerned that uh, an RPAS uh, pilot appears to have allowed their aircraft to fly in such close proximity to a passenger aircraft, says CAA Director Graham Harris. The, P- uh, the RPAS should not have been anywhere near the jet it simply couldn't have been in it simply shouldn't have been in that airspace new zealand new zealand has implemented um, civil aviation rules relating to the use of uavs in 2014 specifying limitations on where they can be operated and under what conditions the country is also helping to shape international standards for uavs through the icao what's the icao icao the International, oh
1: blimey, International, I'm, I'm going to quickly Google that right now. Right. Right.
0: If not, I'm sure someone in the chat room will, will soon I put should, that right for you. It's,
1: it's, it's rules of something to do with the rules of the air. Right. Um, it is the International Civil Aviation Organisation.
0: Ah, I'll get you, I'll get go. you. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I say, it's not the last time that UAVs are going to be mentioned, I think, when it comes to that. I mean, as I say, we've said before. But they have their place. They they do. They're great bits of kit. I I mean, Mm. you know, one day I shall own one and I can't wait. But, um, yeah, the people who are flying them need to be a little bit more conscientious about uh, other aviation traffic, really.
1: Actually, just uh, moving off topic briefly, Matt, just Mm. looking on a website. That uh, you can look at online it's uh, lightningmaps.org mm. www.lightningmaps.org yeah. and there is rather a nice uh, thunderstorm brewing just off the coast of Malta here, <laughs> where I am at the moment.:
0: Oh, um, is there Happy days Yes, there <laughs> is. and um,
1: Jenny, where she is um, in Rome, yeah there is there's quite a nice storm just off the coast of Naples. Oh dear. Uh, Latina in Rome.
0: <laughs> you're, you're upset now.
1: Yeah, it's a great little site this is for those of you um, those of you who like things like Flight Radar 24. This this is kind of like Flight Radar 24, but you can track thunder cell, uh, storm cells. Which is oh, really how
0: good. cool is that? Mm. That is very, very cool. Right, on to the next story then, Carl.
1: On to the next story then, and this story is on the Yahoo UK News site and uh, the headline US-Cuban aviation deal possible this year official says so Havana and routers in Cuba and the United States advanced towards restoring scheduled airline service during two days of talks that concluded in Havana on Tuesday with potential to uh, reach a deal this year a US official said one more meeting might be enough to finalize an arrangement Um, they can't be sure, said the US official, who was familiar with talks and spoke on the condition of anonymity. The two sides plan to meet again, possibly before the end of this year, and most likely in Washington, the official told Reuters. Scheduled commercial airline service has been suspended for decades as a result of Cold War animosity. (laughs) Sorry, it's a beer.
0: But both sides quickly made
1: resumption a priority upon uh, DEN detente last December. Charter flights have long connected uh, the United States and Cuba. Then Washington initiated new rules in January that more easily permit US airlines to fly to Cuba. However, US and Cuban officials first need to negotiate an arrangement before restarting scheduled service, which its customers could book uh, travel directly with airlines. After that informal deal is reached, uh, the two sides uh, have to agree uh, to work on updating a 1953 civil aviation agreement that is still valid but obsolete. Officials from six U.S. government agencies met with counterparts from the Cuban Foreign Ministry and the Cuban Institute of Civil Aviation on Monday and Tuesday, the officials said. Safety and security op- uh, op- cooperation was well advanced largely because of charter flights already meeting U.S. Federal Aviation Administration and Transportation Safety Administration standards, the official says. Should have used the abbreviations there, TSA and FAA. <laughs> Where's the funding that? I know. God, you give me a long story here. Yeah. The uh, U.S. It's your punishment President for being on holiday Obama in Malta has uh, relaxed those restrictions <laughs> leading to a boom in US citizen travel to Cuba, which is uh, up more than 60% uh, this year with 106,607 Americans arriving as of September the 20th. The market would grow further if the US Congress were to lift either the tourism ban or the embargo. We don't have a deadline and we're eager Our carriers are eager, the U.S. officials said, about reaching a deal. Both sides see it as a positive in uh, itself, but positive also as a signal in the progress of uh, broader relationships with uh, Cuba. So major U.S. airlines, including JetBlue Airways, uh, American Airlines Group and Delta and United have all expressed interest in scheduled services to Cuba. Now, I didn't actually realise that um, they weren't, there wasn't flights going from um, the US to Cuba. But uh, I do know.
0: Well, well, indeed, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, well, I suppose if uh, you know, to, well, I didn't realise they'd been out, sort of, been out since the Cold War. I mean, it almost suggests that in, in you know, uh, modern day travel, there hasn't actually been any flights going from the US to Cuba at all. Mm. But, uh, so well, what was it? The Cold War was what in the sixties, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow, long old time. It's and it's a nice part of the world, really. It's a shame that they they haven't uh, they haven't been doing anyway. On to the next story, and this is on the travel website, Telegraph Travel, and the headline is the end of shrinking airline seats, minimum seat size petition launched in the US. And this is a a story very much after my own heart. Uh, it It is one of the great bugbears of modern air travel, the amount of space available to passengers as they fly from airport A to destination B. And with airlines ever so keen to squeeze more paying passengers onto their aircraft, the size of the seats that we squash ourselves into for our trips through the sky has become an increasingly contentious topic. So much so that the US pressure group has filed a petition demanding legislation that could set legal limits on how uh, small and narrow carriers are allowed to make their seating. Uh, Flyers' rights filed its official demand to the America's Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, on the 26th of August. Uh, p- a petition for rulemaking, limitation of seat size reductions, lays out uh, a list of requirements which, although they would initially come into force in the US, would, if adopted, have considerable implications for the rest of the airline industry. Uh, Flyers' rights does not specify what it considers a fair size For a plane seat but it does ask for a regulation mandating minimum seat width and seat pitch for commercial airlines seat pitch that's the space between your seat and the same point on the chair in front of you has arguably become a more controversial matter than seat width in recent years with ever Um, slimmer gaps between rows sparking arguments about available legroom and whether it's rude to recline your seat when uh, it eats into the personal space of the passenger behind. The issue has even caused the rise uh, to prominence of the knee defender, a device (laughs) which can be clipped to the rear of the seat in front, preventing the occupant from leaning it back. Many airlines have now banned the use of said product after a raft of uh, confrontations, which put flights at risk. Last September, United Airlines service from Newark in New Jersey to the Colorado capital, Denver, uh, had to make an emergency landing in Chicago following a dispute between two passengers over a discreet um, deployment of said gadget. Uh, based on in uh, Sarasota, uh, sorry, in in Florida, Flyers Rights, which claims to be the largest non-profit airline consumer organization representing airline passengers, with 60,000 members and supporters, hopes that its petition will help prevent future such dis- disagreements by setting clear rules in the shape and scope of airline seating. The petition points out that while specific rules are in place on aviation requirements such as seatbelts and headrests, so far the only limitation uh, placed on airlines by the the FAA regarding seat space is limiting the number of seats in an aircraft based on the number and size of emergency exits. Now that is officially fascinating, I didn't realise, I I, I kind of assumed that there was such I kind of assumed a min- a that it was, yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I thought that was already there, but uh, apparently not.
1: I'll tell you what. You look at the picture what you've got in the graphic on here, Matt, yeah. on this particular story. Yeah. And the gap, the gap in between those seats on that particular—I don't know what airline that is, but no. it's obviously a long haul one because of the IFE yeah. system. Hang on, I'll bring but that. Up. I'll
0: put that up now. One sec. There you go. That that is quite a good that is
1: quite a good gap in between those seats. I mean, there is quite a. a a considerable gap in between each of those seats and they're obviously economy seats yeah um so i mean there is i mean there there, there is a minimum that they have to have to be you know space-wise mm. I think there is a minimum and there's got you know you, you've got to have especially on long-haul aircraft even in economy you know you can't have people shoehorned in um in in rows seat rows and that because then you just get bad feedback then from passengers even you know even those who are only in economy
0: Exactly. It's, well, I, I mean, the, one of the least, I mean, Ryanair, and well, I keep using it as an example, and I do feel really bad sometimes, but um, <laughs> um, Ryanair do, um, it, it is a bit of an issue. But again, you know, for the price but, that but you pay, it's not worth. they're not, a worth, I mean, no, no, they're the not. long
1: haul. No, The longest flights I think Ryanair does is, uh,
0: I think it's four hours, Four, four right. five hours, I think one of their longest flights is. Gosh, so not that long, really, actually, to be fair. No, no. No, it's, it's, it, I don't know. It's all it's it's, it's it's all good. But then, then as I was saying, well, I think we covered it last week. EasyJet, uh, who I flew to who I flew to Sharm El Sheikh with, um, budget airline again. And it's, honestly, it was one. Of, it's the most legroom on that on their newer newer craft. Um, which is you'll be able to tell me which craft is that? Or well, the uh, Airbus, the three yeah. twenties. Is it uh, three yeah. twenty? Was was absolutely stunning. I mean, I've never mm. had so much legroom. Yeah. It, it was it was really well. Really we good.
1: we. We we had obviously we flew out here with with easyJet mm. and because um, you had so the older plane
0: you were saying didn't you?
1: Yeah, we we had the speedy boarding thing and we had, we were in row four mm. flying out here on uh, row four uh, DEF yeah. Delta Echo and Foxtrot seats we had flying out and uh, there was plenty of leg room and um, I do have a confession to make.
0: Oh, go on. Yes, yes.
1: What what do you think I done when we landed at uh, at Lucca here in in
0: Malta? Uh, did you go and attack the um, pilot?
1: <laughs> yeah, Did you? Um, yes, the poor yeah. Man. I, I kind yes. of spent sort of ten minutes chatting in the uh, on the flight deck with the captain <laughs> of the aircraft. Did, did you, go, you did. did
0: you go in Tazcan blazing, or was it just an informal chat? No, no, no. I had an informal
1: <laughs> chat. No, I had an informal chat with the uh, with the pilot, who, funnily enough, the captain of the aircraft mm. who who that brought us out. He was actually more interested in the ins and outs of uh, podcasting, really, and, uh, than, than than aviation and flying.
0: Good. Well, who'd, who'd have thought that? Who'd have thought that? <laughs> so just just to let let you uh,
1: let you guys and girls in the chat room who are watching the show live, you can probably see behind me um, outside the black sky, but there mm. is lightning. There is quite a, oh, no. a decent storm outside at the moment. Ooh. Yeah, just, is that the uh, one coming from my room in front of me? The one, this one's come over from Rome, yes. <laughs> no, no, Jenny. I think Jenny's still got her storm in Rome. Uh-huh. I'm just looking out. Uh, just all. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yes, there is quite a good storm just moving just off the coast of uh, mm. Rome at the moment. But for those of you who have clicked on the link on the um, YouTube uh, um, chat room feed to the lightning maps. If you look at that now, you'll see that uh, the entire island of Malta is covered by a storm cell. Oh
0: dear, <laughs> not good so news. So if I disappear all of a sudden... Yeah, yeah um, it disappears, yeah. You'll, you'll know why. Yeah. But... It's, 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 yeah. The line's gone down, the line's gone dead. It's, it's all so gone horribly on wrong. to
1: our next story. Indeed, yes. So the next story is on Flight Global's site... And uh, the headline is Luxair Q400 comes to rest on fuselage after aborting a takeoff. Oh no. Ooh. So, one of Luxair's Bombardier Q400 turboprops has come to rest on its lower fuselage after aborting a takeoff from Saarbrücken. Flight LG9562 had been bound for Luxembourg. Luxair says the aircraft aborted its departure at around 10am and none of the 16 passengers and four crew members was injured, it adds. Images from the scene show an aircraft resting on its underside with no immediate indication as to whether the main landing gear is retracted or detached. The nose gear doors appear to be open, and uh, Saarbrucken's airport operator states the aircraft blocked its single runway, designated 0927, which is, funnily enough, the same designation as our runway at uh, Seething, where I learned to fly. <laughs> uh, and that the number of flights have been cancelled as a result. Uh, no TAMS or notice to airmen for Saarbrucken state that the airport is cl- or was closed. Uh, Flight Global's uh, fleet analyzer. Uh, t- uh, tool shows that the Q400 involved uh, uh, Lima X-Ray Lima Golf Hotel is a three-year-old airframe and Luxair says the circumstances surrounding the accident are being investigated mm. dear the aircraft, I mean the uh, Q400, I'm just I'm, I'm. pretty sure that is a short uh, range um, Yes, it is. It's the uh, Bombardier-8 right.
0: uh,
1: Q-series. Mm. And uh, this is an aircraft that's used by Flybe here in the UK. Yeah. It's a twin-prop aircraft, um, which you would have seen before in the air, I expect, Matt. It's uh, used by um, Qantas Link as well, uh, as well as um, Horizon Air, Jazz Air. And yeah, there, the Q400, which is actually the newest uh, newest model of this aircraft. Mm. And it's um, powered by. Just going to look at the engines here. What's uh, powering the or the Q400? Uh, Here we go. So the Q400 is powered by uh, Pratt and Whitney 120A or PW121 um, engines. And uh, if you want to buy one of these, it'll cost you uh, 27 million. Oh, so cheap at half the price, then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is quite a popular regional jet, jet though, Matt, this, mm. uh, this this particular Q400, the Dash 8. Uh, is very, very popular regional jet. Mm. Um, there's been quite a few of these built. Um, there's been over a 1,000 of these built. Wow. Um, as of June this year, mm. there was uh, 1,164 have been produced. Wow. So a popular jet. So hopefully well, they'll get to the cause of uh, why the um,
0: undercarriage may not have... Uh, yeah been lowered on this occasion. so that is where we bring the uh commercial aviation section to a close uh, we're just going to have a very quick you're going to presumably uh, refuel your uh, your can yes yeah. <laughs> and and i'm going to go and put the kettle on so we will be back oh, with part oh, two which on, is the oh, on, oh, oh, oh someone's just joined us in the chat room have they who's that captain jeff Captain Jeff has joined us in the chat room. This is yes, a bit scary. Yes,
1: I kid you not, Captain Jeff is in the chat room.
0: I'm a bit frightened. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I'm not putting my, you realise I'm not putting my camera on now ever for the rest okay. of the show. Okay. But uh, anyway, well, while you go away and chat to um, Captain Jeff, uh, we're just uh, going to go and have a very quick coffee break. If you are watching on YouTube, uh, we'll be, we, we will be back uh, chatting to you before we start section two, which of course is the military section. We'll be doing that right after these messages.
2: Aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Fisher And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out.
0: How cool is this?
2: Crash, crash, turn that down. What is cricket, anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there we (laughs) go.
1: Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The com. And we're back after that short break and uh, we have got some military news, haven't we, Matt?
0: We have indeed, yes, yes. Only five stories uh, this week.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also we've got uh, aircraft circling um, the island where I am now, because they can't land.
0: <laughs> yes, you just, just explained to what we were talking about in the chat room at the break there.
1: Yeah, just so currently at the moment in Malta where I am, we've got quite a large storm cell. Uh, those of you in the chat room would have already gone onto the website to see the um, storm cell that's currently over the island. And those of you who can also click on Flight Radar 24 we'll see that there is a jet two seven three seven 737 uh, 300 series um, from uh, Newcastle in the UK which is flying here which has currently been for the last 10-15 hmm, minutes circling round and round and round <laughs> and round in, a, in quite a nice actual perfect circle over um, just to the
0: north of the island at 12,950 feet. Wow. <laughs> oh dear. So I mean how long is the storm like to stay for then? Uh, well, at the moment there's currently not a lot of wind here so there's
1: right. a good possibility that this will um keep here for a little while so okay. gosh um I feel obviously for- if obviously if jeff was here um you know you know with his mad dog he'd f- he'd fly through the storm right uh, of course absolutely, land, <laughs> Without um, question so, yeah. <laughs> um, um,
0: okay all right then so it is time to uh, do the military section so if you yes. are ready mr Carlos I am ready excellent okay then let's go and nothing's happening that's always helpful
1: So, first news story. Then, kicking off this week, it's on the Telegraph website, and Russian. The headline is: Russia kills US-backed Syrian rebels in second day of airstrikes as Iran prepares for ground offensive. Um, so, the uh, Russian jets. Bomb prepa- uh, repa- rebel. <laughs> let, me, let me restart that again. Russian jets, uh, Russian jets bomb re- rebel positions in Syria, including rural areas near the northwestern town of jizh e a day after launching airstrikes uh, and following developments here. There's a short story about that one, Matt. You've got me there. But um, there's, a, there's actually a video on this site that um, can show, obviously. Um, the Russian jets um, bombing here. I don't mm. know what particular jets these are. I'd imagine they're um, a, some, a Russian bomber of some description, mm. I'd imagine, or Russian fighters, MIGs or something along the lines, or something yeah. like that. Um, but um, on the uh, actual site here, you'll be able to see the video of that. Um, but it's terrible that, you know, obviously, these things, you know, this why, why these um, battles and wars have to mm. go on around the world is... Um, well, I it's a terrible shame. Terrible it it
0: shame. is. It is. It's. It's. It's really a. Uh, it's just sort of one of those things. I suppose it has. It has to be. Uh, why the Russians have suddenly decided they think it's okay to get involved? I really don't know. It's. It's one of those. Those. Those tricky things. Really, isn't it? So, hmm. moving on to our next story. Yes, and unfortunately, uh, my browser has just crashed, so I can't, I okay, can't that's do fine. the next well, I'll, story. I'll take this one then. Yeah, well, okay. Take, uh, <laughs> no. it's all, so, you see, no, you, you leave the studio, and it all goes horribly wrong from no, this end. No. <laughs> Never mind. Yes. Oh, so, uh, so, if you wouldn't mind taking the, uh, the second story, I would be eternally oh, grateful. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. Let me just take a. a oh, blimey flash of lightning just then. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> so, this story is on the indianexpress.com site. The headline from the lab next generation monitors to help fighter pilots cut out distractions Ah, we've got one here it's called a storm (laughs) Uh, so using optics material sciences electronics and precise designing to develop an advanced heads up display for aircraft so the research uh, which is using optics and materials um, which has been developed for using the precision um, heads up display for aircraft so consider this, which is a pilot in a fighter aircraft flying at 2,000 kilometres an hour. All the controls inside the cockpit are placed either beside the pilot's seat or at positions for which he needs to divert his attention to uh, from his forward-looking position. A pilot needs to change his line of vision repeatedly to keep track of information like airspeed, heading, scale, climb, descent rate, angle of attack. For commercial airlines, which mostly operate on an autopilot mode, this is not a big issue, but for fighter aircraft, taking aim at a target, half a second of distraction can cause uh, make a big difference. So pilots flying fighter aircraft all over the world now depend on an instrument called head-up display, or HUD. So they overcome the problem using the HUD, or the head-up display. The head-up display is essentially a display box that relays information from all the instruments installed in the cockpit right in front of the pilot's eyes the aim is to ensure that the pilot need never not divert his attention to uh, access any information so when the pilot is looking out of the cockpit he has what is called an infinity vision when he looks back inside he has to change his focus even uh, if the object is at the same line of vision even this causes distraction which it does i must admit i have tried this myself um, on an aircraft at RIAT. So, with a head-up display, even while looking outside the cockpit, a pilot has a complete access to information inside the plane. Imagine reading a message on your phone without taking your eyes away from the road. Wow, that would be good. Uh, this may not be possible, but you can read a board at the back of a bus in front of you, which is true, you can. So, head-up display achieves something similar throughout very sophisticated instrumentation, involving com- a combination of optics, materials, and sciences, electronics, and precise designing. The head-up display is a tapered structure in a metal encasing, around a one and a half feet in length and 0.5 feet in or 0.5 feet width, uh, and 0.9 feet in height at the front. It is fixed at the cockpit in the front of the windshield, at around 400 millimeters from the pilot. It weighs up to 22 kilograms initially, but now, with improvisations, the weight has been reduced to around 12 kilograms. HUDs are not new, and the first ones were developed almost three decades ago in India. Um, they've been building HUDs since, 19, uh, since the late 1990s. Um, the head-up displays were in pro- process of testing weight um, half, or in a testing weight of half the early ones. So the earlier ones obviously weighed a lot more than the newer ones. So a laboratory uh, is, uh, has been designing these new head-up displays for fighter combat aircraft. Um, to obviously to produce more of a display for the fighter pilots to see in front of them, to enable them to fly the aircraft without actually have to take their eyes off um, off the controls in front of them. Which I think is a fantastic um, thing to have. I mean, uh, for those of you who. Seen the flight deck of the um, Boeing 787 Dreamliner and the new Airbus A350. Um, they have um, head-up displays for the pilots in there, and also the um, A400M, which we were lucky enough to go on to uh, at Riyadh this year. Mm. The A400Ms also have the head-up display for the pilots, and I had the chance. Luckily, me and, uh, me and Pip, me and pilot Pip, had the chance to go on board the A3 oh, sorry A400M at Riyadh and see these. Um, these actual head up displays in in use it's mm. fantastic absolutely fantastic to see these in, in you know in to see see what the pilots see
0: yeah I'll and bet.
1: Um, it quite rightly does um it, it gives you all the information you could possibly need on a panel in front of your eyes
0: yeah i should just apologize to everybody who's and listening there We, you are still here um but it would appear the storm is getting the better of your connection at the moment so we are we are just to put. we can still hear you wow. but the the video side of things has gone a little bit uh awry sadly but uh, yeah we can still hear you nevertheless and we, we got the gist of that story so uh, while carlos closes any uh youtube apps that he's got open to try and uh free up Uh, Bandwidth on his connection as the uh, the connections drop a bit. We will I will uh, carry on with the next story and that is on combataircraft.com and the headline is Boeing receives order from India for 22 Apache and 15 Chinook helicopters Uh, this uh, is a story based in Philadelphia, Uh, 29th of September was when it was published and the India Ministry of Defence has finalised its order with uh, with Boeing for production training and support of Apache and Chinook helicopters that will greatly enhance India's capabilities across a range of military and humanitarian missions. India will receive 22 AH, uh, AH-64E Apache attack helicopters and 15 uh, CH-47F Chinook heavy lift helicopters. Both are the newest models of those aircraft. This is a milestone in Boeing's expanding commitment to India, says uh, Mr Kumar, President of Boeing India. This acquisition enhances the Indian Air Force's capabilities and offers us an opportunity to further accelerate uh, Make in India uh, large sections of the Chinook fuselage um, are already manufactured in India and discussions are ongoing with our Indian partners to make Apache parts. Uh, The Apache is the world's leading multi-role attack helicopter, the AH AH-64E Apache. The most modern variant uh, also flown by the US Army features enhanced performance, joint digital capability, uh, improved uh, survivability, and cognitive decision aiding. The CH-47F Chinook is an advanced multi-mission helicopter uh, operated by the U.S. Army and 18 other defence forces. The Chinook has proven its ability to operate in the range of conditions that tip, uh, typify the Indian subcontinent, including delivering heavy payloads to high altitudes. These new aircraft will provide world-class capabilities to meet the Indian Air Force's missions uh, today, uh, tomorrow, and well into the future, said David uh, Coppersmith, Vice Chair President and General Manager of Boeing Vertical Lift Division. This agreement represents another major step forward in our long and successful partnership with India. India is the 14th nation to select the Apache and the and the 19th nation to select the Chinook. The Apache and Chinook represent uh, the best of high performing technologies that will also modernize India's defense capabilities says Dennis Swanson, Vice President Defense, Air, Space and Security in India. We look forward to delivering the newest Apache and Chinooks to our customers and remain focused on delivering uh, it, on its commitments to the Indian Air Force and India's Ministry of Defence.
1: Can I just can I just say, Matt, that uh, we we have another podcasting legend in the chat room. Oh, do we? And uh, it gives me great pleasure to welcome into the uh, chat room, Dr. Steph. Oh wow! Oh cool! Oh, they're
0: all joining us at the moment, then, are not? they? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Doc, Dr. Steph's in there now. So, uh, hello to you, Dr. Steph. Thank you for joining us as well. Mm, absolutely
0: no it's all very good it's all very good okay there's, there's lots of people in the chat room, so it's very good it's very absolutely good. all right well I'll leave you to chat to can them then. yes I can just about hear you as Hello. I say unfortunately things are, are not going <laughs> according to plan the link is starting to break up but uh, we should just explain in Malta as uh, if you were listening uh, earlier, you will know there's been a massive rainstorm that's just hit where Carlos is and so we've gone from having fabulous video to things going a little bit awry so uh, in the meantime uh, I will read the next story while we hope that that link comes back up, and uh, that the next one is uh, Flight Global, and the headline is Scan Eagle to be delivered to Cameroon, Kenya, and Pakistan. Uh, in situ has received three export contracts for its Scan Eagle unmanned air vehicle that will see it deliver the system to Cameroon Ken- Kenya and Pakistan under the USA's foreign military sales the FMS program Cameroon and Kenya will receive one scan eagle system uh, each by September 2016 through deals worth 9.39 million dollars and 9.86 million dollars respectively the u.s department of defense announced on the 29th of september the acquisitions for cameroon and kenya will include 50 percent of the work on each contract being carried out in country and we'll see the delivery of analog medium wave infrared scan eagle uavs launch and recovery equipment ground control stations and in-situ video exploitation uh, systems and the ground support equipment for the government, says the contract notice. Kenya will additionally acquire one Mark IV launcher, two full mission training devices and spares kits. The details on Pakistan's $15.2 million order are less clear with the USDOD. Uh, simply saying that hardware and technical data will be delivered to the Pakistani government under the FMS program by August 2016. It adds that 90% of the work will be carried out by the, uh, in the USA and the remaining 10% in the actual country. Additionally, In situ has been awarded an $8.7 million contract by the US Naval Air System Command to provide spares for the RQ-21A Black jet UAV support marine um, equipment uh, unit deployments and squadron readiness training
1: i have to i have to say that um, um, for, you, for those of you guys in the chat room who are who are following the um, storm mm. um, that jet 2 aircraft that 737-300 that's been circling to the north of the island, it's still circling. <laughs> and it's still at 12,950 feet, so uh, for those of them, go- the guys here on on board that Newcastle to Malta jet that's been circling now for probably nearly half an hour Gosh! off, off the coast of Malta, um, mm. it's not been a great start to their holiday. No, I can imagine. Um, no, it's uh, it's still like I said, it's still circling. If those of you who are who have got the ability to go on flight radar 24, mm. and uh, if you scroll to to the island, you'll be able to see the particular aircraft in question, which, um, like I said,
0: is still circling. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay so uh, on to our final story then um, and uh, shall I take this shall yeah, I take this one Yeah yeah no you're you're definitely on the mend so uh, we'll we'll give it a, we'll risk it shall we off you go So the, for the last story then on the military
1: segment this one's on the flight global and the headline uh, RAF uh, KC30A refuels the F35A for the first time so, in a first for the Royal Australian Air Force, an Airbus Defence and Space KC-30A multi-role tanker transport aircraft has conducted refuelling contracts uh, with uh, contacts with a uh, Lockheed Martin F-35A fighter. Uh, the four-hour sortie took place from Edwards Air Force Base in California, and saw the KC-30A perform 59 boom contacts. Uh, says Australia's Department of Defence and Statement. One of these five contacts were wet and included the transfer of £43,000 of fuel to the uh, USAF F-35A. Our KC-30 Alpha is an ex- essential force multiplier, says Air Force Chief A.M. Leo Davies. mid air refueling is critical to ensure global reach for our aircraft and our people and equipment. Refuelling between the KC-30 and the F-35A is an important step towards the KC-30's achievement of final operational capability and represents continued progress in the development of the F-35A. Canberra's KC-30s, a variant of the A-330 airliner, are capable of refuelling the aircraft via a boom or with wing-mounted hose and drogue equipment. Both systems have been used by KC-30 engaged in combat operations against Islamic State militants in Syria and Iraq. Australia operates five KC-30As and will receive an additional pair in 2018. By 2023, only 36 RAAF aircraft will still use hose and drogue refueling. Its 24 F-18 Super Hornets and 12 EA-18 Growlers the remaining 100 aircraft in its fleet, including the Lockheed Martin F-35s, will require boom refuelling. In early 2015, Australia moved the KC-30 from its Projects of Concern, a list following a redemption work related to the Type's aerial refuelling boom. The Type was on the list since February 2000. 10 owing a number of project uh, project delays and extensive work has been undertaken by airbus in spain related to the capability and there's a nice picture there as well on that website man
0: mm, yeah absolutely yeah I, I, it's uh, it's typical isn't it we've got royalty in the chat room and then it, the the minute they appear everything all falls <laughs> apart but uh, never mind there we are it's it's all part of the fun so who have we got in the chat room there so
1: in the chat room here jeff has uh, just uh, just disappeared i think jeff is just off um he's recording this via audio oh all right, okay
0: mm-hmm. he's, re-
1: he's recording the show now so he's going to listen back to this when he gets back from his oh, walk
0: oh no um, <laughs> yeah, we've,
1: we've still got uh, we've still got matty fab in the chat room mash mm. is still in the chat room we've got big ron he's in the chat room love uh, big ron's uh, icon on the chat there with the mm. Vulcan, um dr steph uh obviously a big hello to dr steph uh, Big fan of yours on the uh, airline pilot co-show. <laughs> uh, we've got Neville Bounds, Philip Davis, uh, and uh, just scrolling through the list. Uh, I not miss someone out, uh, Neville. Matty Fab, uh, Jenny Parkinson, never get Jennifer Parkinson out there in Rome. Hope mm. your weather's better than it is here.
0: I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go to uh, Pip's segment. Uh, it's only a little short five-minute one. We should just explain that this was actually sent to us to put out live last week when we had the legend that was Betty in the Sky. Uh, and unfortunately, it was such a busy show, we didn't get the chance to include it. So uh, if you listen to last last week's show, then what he says at the beginning will, be, uh, will make an awful lot more sent to you so uh, we're just going to do that we're going to try and get our uh a link to uh, malta sorted out uh, during that so uh, uh pilot pip take it away
1: and now it's time to visit the cockpit and join the man who puts the s in safe it's the plane safety from the flight deck segment with captain pip
2: hey everyone it's pip here ...with uh, just a very short segment today. But uh, rather than uh, preaching at you today, I've got a little story I thought I might tell you. Since we've got a flight attendant on the show, and in honour of flight attendants everywhere, uh, I'll tell you this little story. Now, I wish I could tell you that this happened to me, because it's a great story, but unfortunately, uh, this was someone else. This was told to me by a friend of mine a few years ago. And this is going back a few years, whilst he was a first officer, a a new first officer, wet behind the ears working for a small uh, regional turboprop operator in the UK. I won't say who, because they're still around. But they operate sort of small commuter turboprops, 40 or 50 seats. They do a lot of charter work, uh, just sipping about here and there, picking up work where they can. And the crew is normally two pilots and a a cabin crew member, maybe two cabin crew members, usually just one. And they're all a very close-knit bunch of people. There's an airline based up north, by the way, so those of you in the UK all know those uh, sort of northern characters that are in this story. Um, this uh, this is one day, there's a senior captain, he's been around a while, typical sort of Yorkshireman, you can imagine him balding, flat cap, nothing seems to bother him, and my friend, the, uh, the new first officer. Also on board is a, a flight attendant, again, a girl, she's been around for quite a few years, she's seen pretty much everything there is to see in the aviation scene, well, almost everything anyway. So she's a good lass, another typical northern girl, Nothing uh, Nothing bothers her. So anyway, one day, they're doing a charter job. They're having to go out to Rotterdam to pick up a bunch of people. So they're, they're flying the aircraft out there empty. So they're, they're chugging away, just taking off up into the cruise over the North Sea. And the captain, the old boy, is thinking to himself, he thinks, right, let's, uh, let's have a little bit of fun on this flight. So he turns to the first officer and he says, uh, hey, lads, are you, uh, are you up for a bit of a laugh? And the first officer says, uh, well, yeah, what do you got in mind? And he says, uh, our Carol down the back, for, it was her name, Carol, the flight attendant. And he says, our Carol down the back reckons uh, reckons nothing bothers her. Shall we put that to the test? And the uh, first officer, wet behind the ears, says, uh, yeah, nervously. What do you got in mind? And the captain explains his plan. first officer, uh, after some hesitation, nervously agrees. So whilst Carol, the flight attendants down the back, getting the cabin ready for the passengers on the next flight, the two guys up front, they put their little scheme into motion. Takes them a few minutes, and when they're ready, Captain presses the call bell, and uh, Carol, the flight attendant, comes up, and Captain says to her, ah, you're right, Carol, would you mind getting us a cup of tea, love? But the sight that greets Carol is not her two normal, smartly dressed pilots. Instead, what she's got is two completely... And utterly naked two pilots. They have in fact removed all their clothes, save for just their uniform tie and shoes. Both sitting there entirely in the buff, as we like to say. And Captain's there with a big grin on his face, thinks, ah, I've got her now. This will embarrass her. But our hero, Carol, the flight attendant, as cool as a cucumber, she eyes the two gentlemen up and down. And she says, i certainly, I'll get you a cup of tea. She doesn't bat an eyelid. Off she goes to make the cup of tea, and Captain's chuckling to himself, thinking, "Ah, she hasn't seen that before. But not to be outdone, Carol, the flight attendant, the hero of our story, comes back a few minutes later, two cups of tea in hand, and she says, "I ah, here you go, gentlemen, here's your cup of tea. And they both turn round, and their jaws drop as they find that Carol, the lovely flight attendant, is also now entirely naked, except for her little necktie. And once Captain has finished admiring the lovely Carol's figure, for Carol is a very attractive woman, as they're both now fully realising, and the first officer eventually picks up his jaw off the floor, and they take their cup of tea. Aye, thanks, love. And Carol takes the jump seat and sits down, and all three of them sit there quite happily for the rest of the flight, don't say another word to each other, and enjoy their cup of tea and remain totally naked naked, the day they were born until they pull up on stand in Rotterdam. And of course what the ground staff said when they came on board the aircraft at Rotterdam, well that's another story. Like I say I wish I could tell you that was me but uh, quite literally I don't think I would have had the balls to do that. So back to you guys in the studio who I hope are still fully clothed and I'll see you all again next time. Take care everyone. Still fully clothed. I can't think of anything worse. <laughs> I'm, I'm still, I'm still in my beach, beach uh, clothes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I should just bear in mind. I have now fixed the feed, so you can't say that because everybody oh. once again can now see you. So <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. As you say, but as um, uh, Carl was describing, obviously with this plane that is, I believe, still circling. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, just saying to Matt earlier, the uh, mm.
1: jet 2... Yeah. 737-300 uh, from Newcastle to Malta mm. um, he's uh, descended now to, well he had descended to 7000 feet but he's now uh, climbing now um, at, uh, well he's now, you know, he's now descending again so he's right. <laughs> he's, okay. just he's actually moving down towards the southern end of the island so I'm hoping that uh, these guys have been given clearance to land mm. in what, uh, what has been quite a quite a nasty storm, which is actually still um, over the island at the moment. Mm.
0: Absolutely, as I say. But at least it's not uh, playing havoc with our satellite link between uh, hum- humble England and, and where you are. But, uh, no, it's, 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 uh, as you say, you've really got a feel for those people in that plane, haven't you? Yeah, you know,
1: they've just, they've just flown from Newcastle to Malta, mm. which is probably best part of a three and a half, three and a yeah. three hours three-hour, minutes flight from Newcastle to Absolutely, here. Absolutely, yeah. And they've just been circling now for what must be three quarters of an hour. Mm. Um, so Watch, yeah, watching I mean, an amazing obviously...
0: storm, essentially?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been a good storm. But um, <laughs> Neville Bounds has put uh, bordering on the scouse. What's with Pip's dodgy Yorkshire accent? Oh, <laughs> that's really not
0: that. fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as I say, I should just as I say we, we, that should have gone out yesterday. But uh, in all the chaos. Um, of of a very muddled show last week. Um, unfortunately, it got it didn't go out. But it was such a good story; it was worth putting out. We thought so. Uh, so yeah, thanks Pip as always. Yeah, for thanks a Pip as always. Fantastic
1: segment. And um, yeah, we'll uh, hopefully have another segment from mm. Pip on next week's show. Absolutely. So anything uh, else
0: from the chat room then before we bring the show to a close? Um.
1: No, no, they they are all busy <laughs> chatting to themselves. And oh, they! Uh, I
0: have to say, I think we're going to have to
1: have um, we're going to have to have Doctor Steph on the show. Oh, definitely! I think we should, yeah. think we should have Doctor Steph on the yeah. show. Yeah, um, give uh, give her input into uh, into our UK show here.
0: Oh, yes, please, that would be great. Yeah, well, uh, may, maybe what we could do because because they, cause they the, the system that they use, maybe we could get them to all join up, and then That's join up. That's what she said. What? Is that beer starting to have an effect on your brain or something? No, no, I no, don't know. no, no carry, Yeah, carry. whatever. Uh, yeah, So uh, what we'll have to do is we'll have to grovel very nicely to the uh, to the American guys there and see if we can do a, a mass show link up because uh, I've got mm. the I've yeah. got it all I've got the tech all worked out here, so um, we we should be able to do that uh, if necessary. But uh, yeah, yeah, so that that really is sadly where we have to bring episode eighty to a close. To a close, yeah, of the Plain Talking UK podcast. We've had a, a couple of technical glitches. Uh, yeah, we have. I, I yeah. don't mind. I don't mind admitting it. As I say, the uh, the most of them I will edit out, obviously. But uh, unfortunately, with uh, the link going down a bit there in Malta, uh, there's not really a lot I can do about that. But uh, it has really, given how far away you are, and that it really has behaved quite well. There's no two ways about it.
1: <laughs> Jeff uh, Jeff's in the uh, Jeff's, Jeff's actually watching the show right. whilst he's walking. Wow. So Jeff, Jeff, Captain Jeff is watching the show on his uh, on his phone whilst walking, cool. which is quite good. Is and that? He's, he's also he's also accusing of, accusing us of trying to steal Doctor Steph. Oh, for our no, show. no, no, no.
0: We would we'd never ever do that. I, I, I well, <laughs> I, I speak for myself personally. I really want to speak to the legend that is Captain Jeff. It has to be said. Why haven't you been on the uh, show already? I know you were on before I joined, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, you know right. it's uh, and I we'll, do.
1: We'll, we'll get we'll get Jeff on. We'll get Jeff and on. And I do
0: absolutely, absolutely love his show. I'm I'm always tuned in when it's mm. uh, when, when he's doing a live one. Uh, they're they're a great team over there. And uh, if you haven't watched it, uh, then then where Doc, have you been? Doctor Steff has said she'll she'll be honoured to join us on the show. Oh, she's such a charmer. She's nearly as charming as you, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> never mind Okay, so I think that's enough of the madness Uh, stick around uh, by all means for a little while in the chat room but that's where we're going to bring episode number 80 to a close hope you've enjoyed the show I know number 80 hope you've enjoyed what are we doing next week Matt what are we doing next Uh, week next week uh, there will be no YouTube I'm afraid because Carl thinks that's a little bit outside of his um, technical remit (laughs) Uh, but uh, hopefully because I shall be in the lovely island of Menorca next week so I'm hoping uh, that I will be joining you via skype uh, let's hope it behaves itself um and uh yeah we'll be i should be joining you uh in your uh, kitchen studio i think uh next week yes uh yeah. from the island of menorca so uh fingers crossed mm-hmm. that that side of things all um all behaves itself i'm just gonna have to say matt a massive thanks to everyone
1: who's joined us in the chat room tonight yeah. and it's uh great yeah, thanks ever so much guys for joining us especially those guys over in the U S who mm. obviously the time difference is quite big. Yeah. Um, uh, Jeff and obviously, uh, Dr. Steph over there. Thanks for joining us and everyone else in the chat room, Philip Davis, Tony, yeah. who's just joined us. Actually, Tony's just joined us in the chat room. He's a, he's a bit late, And uh, Big Ron, Matty, Fab, um, Jenny, uh, everyone in the chat room. There's been loads of you in the chat room tonight, so thanks for joining us on the show. And don't forget to check out as well our Facebook page for the uh, photos that I've taken Mm, at the uh, Malta International um, Air Show and also the photos that I took this morning at the Aviation Museum here yep. at Takali as well. And we've got loads of interviews from the air show to mm. come in uh, in coming episodes. Yeah. Um, and also the interview that I took... Oh, sorry, it's my phone going off. Oh, how rude. And also um, <laughs> the interview that I took this morning at the uh, Aviation Museum, which is two hours
0: long. Oh, great. That's going to be a h- little bit of homework for me then. To get yeah. in touch with the show, it is www.planetalkinguk.com. Uh, on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash UK. And uh, our Twitter handle, it is at UK. Thank you very much for joining me, Carlos, uh, whilst you're Thank on you. holidays. Very good of you. Uh, well done to the technology for sort of sorting itself out there uh, for most of the show at least anyway uh, from uh, as I say from here in England it is uh, goodbye stick around uh, if you are in the chat room we're not going anywhere for a minute as I say but this is where episode number 80 comes officially to a close but we are going to hang around in the chat room for at least another quarter of an hour or so so uh, do make sure um, you- you'll still be out us and stuff but uh, that's it so from here in sunny beckles or-, or it was today until it went dark from sunny beckles it's goodbye and from you Carlos in Malta So, from me in Malta, in rainy Malta, yes.
1: Cheers and good night. Absolutely. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.